between light and dark is so very thin. All right, and welcome back, Guardians, to another episode of Becoming Legend. What is up, Guardians? How is everybody doing? What's up, Guardians? I hope y'all are doing fantastic. Thank you for coming back to episode 11. Mm -hmm. We took a very short break to kind of compose ourselves and go through our destiny experience, figure out what we wanted to talk about on the show, how we wanted to move forward with these next 10 episodes, and what direction we want to go with telling the story of destiny. So far, in the previous 10 episodes, we've given you some... uh, really in-depth character introductions to the heroes and the villains of Destiny. But we've really just been painting the immediate portrait of what's going on in the world around you that you participate in in the game. There is another world that we're going to speak about. There are two super beings um gods creators it's it's not really clear exactly what they are but there are these superpowers that just their thoughts affect what happens in our universe so we would like to speak with them <laughs> and about them and explain them to you today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um mr tweezy which one mm-hmm. would you like to hone, hone in first uh, who would you like to speak about see. the gardener or the winnower characters we'll be speaking about this episode. Hmm. Uh, I think the winnower is, is probably the easiest one to talk about because we have sure. the most perspective on the winnower as they, uh, they exist in the game. Um, for those of you who are, are <laughs> new uh, to this episode, uh, some backstory. We, we talked, of course, about the Books of Sorrow. Sorry, we, we talked, talked about, about Oryx. Oryx. But, but um, um, one of the most important things that happens uh, happens before Fundament, happens before uh, the Books of Sorrow even take place, before you know, the Hive are even Krill, you know? like That's right. It, it's, it's a long time ago. That's right. Going uh, way back. Yeah. Like beginnings for of us, the universe. Yes. The story goes back to the beginnings of the universe. For us, the Guardians, the story as we know it goes back to Season of Dawn, uh, where we were given the book um, Unveiling. Right. For those of you that didn't play, as a, as a reminder of how you unlocked it, after completing the story campaign for Shadowkeep, you unlocked uh, a mysterious ornament, or a mysterious artifact, I think is what it's called, uh, where you go into the pyramid ship you uh, speak to a veiled being, you pick up an, an object at the very end and it triggers a cutscene. Um, that object you give to Eris Morn and Eris Morn starts delivering us messages from the darkness. And these messages become the books of sorrow or not the books of sorrow. Wow, that was mess. <laughs> <laughs> these things become uh, the book of unveiling. That's right. But. Uh, just one quick moment, Tweezy. I just yeah. want to explain the importance of the artifact that you just mentioned to the viewers and listeners who may not fully understand the importance of some items, some artifacts, some finds in this game. This is a, a item, um, almost an exact replica of the anomaly that we find in the Crucible, as well uh-huh. as the second uh, anomaly or uh, device that Clovis Bray was working on on Europa. So you mm-hmm. already hear stories about how the how powerful these artifacts are and being just near them will cause you to have hallucinations. So mm-hmm. these are, are very powerful um, pieces of darkness and light energy that we'll continue to explain. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much, Mr. Tweezy. <laughs> no problem, man. Uh, and so basically what the books of unveiling are is basically a history of the universe as told from the perspective of the darkness uh so as a caveat a lot of what we know right now about the winnower is from uh mostly from unveiling there's a couple of 
uh, lore entries tied to specific weapons or specific armors that are, you know, time gated, if not, you know, things that it's hard to find. There are some armors that are in Destiny 1. So obviously, you know, a lot of you guys aren't going to be able to get those armors right now. Um, but what we know about the Winnower is they both the Winnower and the Gardener exist as paracausal beings playing a game that they liken to the game of flowers. Uh, And this game of flowers that they play in essence is the game of creation and death, Mm -hmm. you know, where the gardener is responsible for planting new flowers and choosing where the flowers are planted, helping them grow. And the winnower's job is to cut the flowers and to uh, kill them. Uh, and what ends up happening in the book of unveiling is that we find out most importantly, I think the winnower views itself as the reason behind our creation as beings, not just as guardians, but as beings, there is a, uh, and a fight that breaks out. I'm glossing over a lot. So if we want to go back and deep dive, we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a fight that breaks out between the winnower and the gardener that causes them to accidentally push forward the seeds of creation. Uh, the worms uh, were created, which we believe the, the worms that eked out from the soil of the flower game that, that went on to live are the krill who became the hive. Mm-hmm. They mention uh, these small little like nano creatures that existed before them or at the same time as them, but was always doing its own thing that we uh, as, you know, people that look at the lore interpret that as being the existence of Vex. Vex, for those of you who aren't um, aware, Vex are not the the giant machines that they take form in, but they're actually the radiolorian fluid that is like fueling that machine. Indeed. And it's not just one of them. There are millions and millions of, of nano creatures that are just fueling it. So it's a fun thing to know every time you kill a Vex now. Indeed. But they, ghost they talk about as uh, Vex milk multiple times. Whenever yeah. you see that Vex milk, that white fluid that you see on Nessus uh, transforming the planet as well as the fluid inside every single Vex mech that you see, that is the actual mm-hmm. creature. That is the mind that is piloting the exosuit. You're not actually fighting that armor, Mr. Tweezy was saying. And um, there are crazy effects and they're having scientific studies done by Mr. Globus Bray, uh, who have <laughs> taught us a lot about the Vex milk itself. But exactly as Mr. Tweezy was just saying, it, it really implies in this lore book that the Vex may have been the guideline, the guideline principle to the game that was being played between the winnower and the gardener, a way of ensuring one doesn't cheat too much and try to keep the rules of the game. So, for example, us as guardians having these powers, being able to blow things up with our mind, our powers are what are known as paracausal. That means just by thinking about it, we're able to apply an otherworldly power to make things real that were not possible before. That's basically the extent of our power. We use it in different Mm -hmm. ways void arc solar now stasis with the darkness etc um so us being able to have and wield these powers we are bending and breaking the rules of reality which the vex do not like so anytime we do that near them we are a threat to their programming in essence Mm -hmm. and that is why they run so many simulations that they do the infinite simulations is so that they can figure out how best to not just defeat us, but in their eyes, return order to the world. Um, That's right. Because we are beings that exist without order. Uh, yeah, so it, it's very interesting the way that that the darkness, who we interpret the, the darkness as, as being the winnower and the gardener as being the traveler, the light. Um, we don't know if the traveler is the only existence of the light or what. Like, that's that's a that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um so but it's just very interesting because he talks about you know the 
the darkness views itself very much as a creative force. If it wasn't for the fight, then we wouldn't have been created. And we should be thanking the darkness because the darkness, the way that the darkness sees itself is that it gives uh, everybody something kind of to, to live for, you know, very much like the, the very fundamental forms of the sword logic are, are the darkness's mentality of things, you know, like very much, if it exists, there must be a purpose or you must find it or you kill it. Or like, you know, those who have no purpose should not exist is, is basically exactly the way that the darkness sees if everything. And so down, if you die, it means you deserve yeah. to die. You didn't have the right to exist in the first place. Yeah. Which is why the guardians are so, uh, appealing to the darkness is, is because, exactly that like we are responsible like we are the most powerful beings in the galaxy i don't think we can understate that uh and so we should be thanking the darkness because we like we follow the sword logic without meaning to like we crush smaller beings for fun because we're grinding out a gun you know Absolutely. and so it's thanks to the darkness that we have that ability the thanks to the darkness that we have something to live for so as a result, you know, it, the the way that I read it, especially because the way that that lore book ends, unveiling ends with, I think it's called Truth and Hope. And it's a it's a lore entry from Eris. It's like a letter to the Guardians um, from Eris, uh, which is is kind of confusing because it sounded like she was like, don't use the darkness. And, you know, like a year later, she used the darkness. <laughs> um, but, you know, the we don't know how much of this we can take for granted because it is only one side of the story. It's only the darkness's perspective on the story. So we don't know if everything that they, that they say about how everything broke down is true because one of the big things that they say is that in playing the flower game, the flower game always resulted in the same pattern. You know, it's very specific rules. Um, if a flower has, two or fewer neighbors it dies if it has three neighbors it lives if it has more than three neighbors it is starved so it dies if a dead flower has three living neighbors then it shall be reborn you know like there are these weird rules to the game and all that would happen was that the gardener and the winner would set up the game and then just let it play out but they said that it would have it would inevitably end in this pattern Mm-hmm. Like this one pattern that constantly repeated itself. And as the winnower, as, as the darkness says it, um, the gardener got frustrated and insisted upon creating a new rule to the game uh, that rewarded players for, I think the word specifically is homogeneity. I might have to check that. But, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, the light, the the gardener getting upset at, you know, constantly losing the game or it always ending in this one pattern, we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in. So that's right. It's very it's a very good lore book. If you haven't gotten it, go back and grind out Shadowkeep. It's, it's worth the read. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, we were actually just having this discussion right before we started recording that it is one that is worth revisiting, especially mm-hmm. um, with the information that you have currently, because upon your first read through to me it it was definitely a major change of pace from the other lore uh tabs and books that were given previously so at first you're reading about this game that they're playing the flower game you're learning the rules and as you're reading the Mm -hmm. lore book the rules are very intricate and detailed it's not it's Mm -hmm. much more um specific than the general version we're giving you right now but um upon a second entry you start to you start to make the connections between the garden game and the actual universe that we're living in. You're starting to realize that these roses and flowers that are popping up are galaxies and systems in our actual universe where life is sprouting, where creatures have wills and, and go to war and, and all these, all these other things that just happen with life in galaxies. So when the, gardener got tired of the pattern repeating itself over and over and changed the rules what the gardener 
what it appears it did is the gardener introduced the traveler and the light into the universe and that created a way that i believe the quote is um no matter what always someplace somewhere there will be something evolving that the darkness will not be able to just quell what that Mm -hmm. means they introduced the tower into our i'm sorry not the tower the traveler yeah the traveler they introduced the traveler into our universe the traveler has been traveling from planet to planet empowering races trying to create a force strong enough to combat the darkness which from the darkness from the winnower's perspective is cheating that's why the winner is so upset about all of this Mm -hmm. because in the eyes of the winnower the winnower is actually the hero in the story because it's the gardener who cheated in the original Mm -hmm. game so it it really brings into questions well who do you support here so far these past seven years we've been taught nothing but trust the traveler trust the light but now you're starting to get evidence of the contrary that maybe there it could be beneficial to somewhat trust in the darkness as we've seen by being able to harness the ability of stasis does that mean we completely believe everything the winner is telling us no but can we use its power to help us survive yes especially if we can dual wield the light and the darkness if we can harness the gardener and the winnower's true powers and hopefully one day fight them back to the point where their little whims don't affect the entire galaxy and maybe we can uh you know control our own destiny but Mm -hmm. you know as far as when you might see this in the destiny in-game timeline probably not for a few years honestly because it's i think it'll be lightfall lightfall i could see it yeah at least when we're introduced to those characters, but I could I could see a two or three year arc of us actually, you know, learning to deal with them and see what what's going to happen. What are the repercussions? Yeah, I don't know. and I had a really weird interpretation of that part of the book. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, you know, talking about the the inevitable pattern that emerged. Listen, I might have overreached in my interpretation, but I'm going to give it anyways. Uh, the overinterpretation that I've had is, is that without uh, another force acting on a civilization that kind of unites them towards something different, inevitably what ends up happening is that civil war breaks out and it's mutual destruction. Like, it's just the way that the pattern, that this is my interpretation. Again, This is, I don't think this is right. But this is how I, I read it was that what the darkness is is very much about what they're for is selfishness. You know, like I do this so that I can survive and survival of the fittest is all that matters. And if I survive and you don't, it's because I'm better than you versus the traveler, which especially because I play as a warlock and I, I admit that now um, the power seemed to be not to to better one individual over the other but to bring them together with a uniting force and as a warlock who puts down rifts to heal my teammates mm-hmm. you know uh, i feel like that's like the big distinction is is that the without intervention uh selfishness would win and and you know we would just destroy ourselves well you know if it wasn't for the i mean if it wasn't for the traveler would we have even had the the experiences that we did so that's it that's my interpretation it's just selfishness on the side of the darkness selflessness on the side of uh, the traveler and the light um it's just very interesting to think about you know trying to to read into what the pattern that they talk about and you know inevitably um inevitably showing up what that pattern could be and how the traveler could like circumvent that like what the traveler does to empower races and to, to kind of unite them and to to push them forward into to new ages of technology is, is something that's you know just fun to think about whenever you know we're in these downtimes as guardian games guys like there's mm-hmm. nothing to happen. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh this is my favorite time in the game actually because uh compared to at the beginning of the season where we're just rushing through week to week and we're just trying to find out the newest latest lore and make sure we're completing all of our challenges like towards the end of the season um 
I don't feel like I have to play as much. Uh, and when I do play, I get to I get to entertain these really weird thoughts about what these books mean or like what the importance of X, Y, Z is, because, you know, like I have the time to think about it. But I have I have taken us on a tangent for far too long. Uh, you know, Bird, I talked about the winnower, so I think it's only fair that you talk about the gardener. <laughs> OK, OK, so in game. The first time you're really introduced to the potential character of the gardener, which uh, really you, you just see statues, statues, not mm-hmm. unlike the statues of the darkness of which we are now starting to uncover and see more often in the story um, mm-hmm. in the um, Dreaming City, which is the hometown of the Awoken, <laughs> the hometown, sorry, the home city, mm-hmm. the home. It's a it's kind of like. It's kind of like a royal city in another time loop dimension. If you put a royal city right next to a black hole and it was caught in this indefinite time loop forever, yeah, that, that would be it. So you go there and um, there are multiple statues of the gardener, which uh, through several very long lore books that you read about the Dreaming City, you understand that the Awoken kind of worshipped her and had a, a better understanding of her and um the gardener is essentially a woman the woman in charge of light and life in the universe now with the winnower and the gardener you don't learn their origin stories you don't learn where they came from mm-hmm. uh honestly we don't even have true names for them we these are just the titles that they've kind of given themselves and passed on to us um, yeah, just so that we could like, I think they gave themselves those titles and the way that they did everything is, is so that we mere mortals uh, could could have an understanding, at least at a very base level of, of how they operate, because they, they are ageless and timeless. Correct. Now, um, to me, I've always viewed the gardener as the fact that it seems she had a had a major role in the creation of the universe and the creation of the central command centers of the universe. And what I mean by that specifically is Black Garden. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Destiny one first major <laughs> uh, place you visit at the end that's being controlled by the heart of darkness is the Black Garden. This is a place that is spread among several lore books. We've had several um adventures into the black darkness we've lost guardians in there we've discovered that there were dark guardians in there long before we even discovered what was going on with uh shin malfer and the dredgens Mm -hmm. so uh one part of this that actually wanted to home in a little bit was uh our the character we seem to talk about every single episode uh, Prince Aldrin, a.k.a. The Crow mm-hmm. nowadays. He's doing very good, y'all. There's a pr- there's a really good lore tab that was released with uh, the Guardian games where he rescues a lone Guardian who's out in the field who was going to lose against uh, some cabal. And it, basically, he's out there doing good deeds. But anyway, before all this, whenever he was still Prince Aldrin, the brother to Queen Mara, and had a role of awoken royalty he actually had a adventure into the black garden where he was in there it it really doesn't say i would i would guess at least a few weeks long enough Mm -hmm. where this is a dangerous amount of time to be in the black garden because time doesn't pass normally in there there are whispers coming from the ground there are vex everywhere patrolling and at some point He makes it to a very, very, very deep heart of the garden type area where he encounters a tree of silver wings and picks up seeds from the ground. And we believe this is possibly the point where he may have been infected with the darkness that we Mm -hmm. see come to fruition in the um, Forsaken DLC. Because they in that DLC, as you're playing it, they don't really explain how he got the darkness in him. This is, again, another story that's wrapped up in the lore. Um, So the creation of this place, the Black Garden, really harnessed darkness. And the way that the Winnower 
ran the galaxy was the way of power in this place, which was created by the gardener. So I know I'm going on just kind of a little bit of a tangent. Uh, I think the main point that I have is we don't have a ton of rock solid information on the gardener. We only have the stories that we've been told by other races, um, uh, ancient history that we've discovered discovered through the Awoken and what we've been presented from the Winnower's perspective. You know, the the, yeah. the Traveler speaks to us, but only in visions and riddles. And it's never mm-hmm. really exactly clear what its intentions are. So I'm really looking forward to the day when we can have an open conversation with the gardener or the traveler, however they want to present an open conversation with the light, because the darkness is here. We can, you know, hit 1-800-DARKNESS and have a quick conversation anytime. But, you know, the light's just kind of taking its time to get around to explain to us the way that things actually are. And on top of that, yeah. there are other light and darkness characters, the nine, who they are an entire episode on their own. But I just want to bring them mm-hmm. up to say that it is not only the gardener and the winnower who are the major powers at play in our universe. There are others as well. Yeah, the nine are very interesting. Obviously, it's really hard to go into them here because there's just there's a lot. Uh, That's right. And for those of you that did not play uh, season of was it uh, season of the Joker? Joker's Wild. Was. Yeah, Joker's no, no, Wild. it was Joker's Wild because they didn't say season of until uh, Shadowkeep. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until that point, no, they said season of opulence, didn't they? Well, take it back, take it back. <laughs> I'm over, guys. It's it's it for me. Uh, no, in the sil- the tree of silver wings is also very interesting because uh, we have. Lore entries in Destiny 1 uh, on specific pieces of armor that talk about uh, a tree of silver feathers. And it is it is not in a polite way. Like it is mm-hmm. it sounds like a tree that you don't want to run into. That's right. And then uh, last year during Shadowkeep, uh, what was it? Season? What? No. When did we get the, the act to see the actual? There was a tree was of feathers that was worthy? forming. It might have been season of the. Whenever worthy. we, it, it was, no, it was like are season, we in season 10. of the worthy now. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, we're in season, season of the ten. We'll yeah, go so with season, season 10. of the worthy, and that was whenever at the very beginning they threw you into that mission, and oh, you no, first see of the the tree of silver wings, and after that yeah. you're sucked into a darkness zone. Look, but it, there's been that a lot of for me. Oh wow! Remember. Like as a lore reader, seeing that in person was like, wow, wow, that is amazing. Yeah, this is a tree of death, but it looks so beautiful. Oh, well, that was the thing. I couldn't understand the tree as it existed because I knew, based off of what we knew at the time, the tree was not really something to mess with. The, the tree was evil, but it didn't seem to really have like you know, especially because it spawned taken all around it mm-hmm. and the darkness. Uh, and an aside, when the darkness is talking about the Vex and how they exist, they they make a small comparison to Oryx and is taken and how they're not able. The darkness is not able to control the Vex in the same way that it's able to control the taken, which, again, in that one specific area for that mission was very big because that's all you run into is just taken enemies. Um, but that you know, it wasn't a hard mission. We ran it all the time. You had to run it all the time. So solo it. Oh God! You had to do it like every week, every single. Week. I hate, I hated that part. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, why? There were at, at least occasional like, you know, changes on the inside once you were actually sucked into uh, the darkness zones. And um, yeah. the particular dialogue that you got from Nakris, uh was interesting. But as from a gameplay perspective, you did do the same thing every single week yeah. until the boss, the very last week, which was like nine weeks in or something. Yeah. So that was a fun season. Yeah. Yeah. So it's again, it's it's a thing that we talk about, and I think that's what makes the lore uh, so exciting for us to talk about. Really, is that we keep like the way that Destiny has worked in the past is that we've been given just a massive amount of information. Mm-hmm. Like, it you didn't understand what a grimoire card was when Destiny first launched. You just knew that you unlocked them, and they were for specific things, and they like they were never too long or too short, and then. Sorry for the, the motorcycle that's deciding to rev. Um, <laughs> come Destiny 2, they they really started to go away from that and, and more towards this idea of the, the lore books. 
giving out everything. You had the, the ghost story, it's lore book, which is like a lot of pages. Um, and what's great is that we have so many pieces of lore, not just in-game experiences that we have or, or lines that you get in a strike, but there's lore on your guns, there's lore on your armor. And as we learn more with each of these books, we are able to go back to some of those earlier pieces of lore and see them with with a fresher perspective uh, because we've seen a tree of silver feathers like we've now encountered the darkness um, so we you know we can make a little bit more um, educated guesses about things and we can also tie some things together you know the the book of of sorrow when we first got it was was amazing um, in the sense that it really gave us a history of the hive as a whole, but it didn't tell us a whole lot about the krill. Whereas with this book of unveiling that we got, um, we were, we find out like the way that the, the winnower refers to things, you know, as a result of the fighting between the traveler or yeah, between the, the light and the dark, between the traveler and the darkness, whomever, um, because of that fighting, the worms eked out of the soil and became what we assume to be the krill. So we have more of an understanding about how some of those forms of life come together. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, again, it's my favorite time of the season. You get to sit back and reflect and kind of really think about like what pieces of new information we've gotten and how does that impact what we understand of the world that we exist in so far. So, yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And see that there was a perfect example just right with the, the origin of the krill that you see again that the whims of these gods out there who aren't even properly thinking about the consequences of their actions because they had a fight an entire new subspecies was born because that species was born everything that happened in the books of sorrow thousands of years of death and decay wiping out mm -hmm. entire species planets all of this stuff because two gods over there decided to have a little bicker. So mm -hmm. one thing that I think might be a, a bit of a good transition here is how one day we may be able to use the powers of light and darkness against these gods. I think we already had an example and we haven't really had an, a, a, a situation since that has, um, that has been quite as intricate. What I'm talking about right here is the King's Fall raid uh, in the final battle against Oryx. Um, throughout mm -hmm. this episode, we've spoken a little bit about um, the sword logic. Essentially, if you if you die, you deserve to die and everything you do needs to be for yourself. Long story short, for the viewers and listeners who don't know, Oryx basically built a system of power to where all of his minions, whenever they kill something, he gets the power. That's how he was the most powerful hive. He was able to take everyone else. That's how that worked. How we were able to actually destroy him was we used the opposite. So the darkness uses the sword logic. The light uses something what's called the bond logic. The bond logic is very similar to what Mr. Tweezy was saying at the beginning of this episode, how if in this game, if three flowers are near each other, they can form to create a stronger flower. Essentially, if you have more um, beings of light and power that bond together, they can create something more powerful than any any one of themselves individually. So in the Taken King raid, in the final battle against um, Oryx, you see him open his chest and he creates these bombs of darkness around the uh, platform. And you essentially overwhelm those bonds of darkness with the bond logic, with the light. We put so much light inside the darkness that it literally explodes because it cannot happen. And when that happens, you shoot Oryx and that, that's how he took care of it. So yeah. um, we haven't really had a raid where we've had to really take these these really intricate powers like imagine how much control you have to have to insert your light into the darkness make sure it's not corrupted control it explode it and then take on a, a whole nother being with powers that you've never come across so now that we've done that before perhaps we can learn from this experience and harness it in a similar way i'm sure we will against sabathun but after that hopefully we'll be able to find a way that we can 
properly meld the light and darkness into something more powerful and use that weapon against these creators who are causing so much trouble because the weapons we have right now can't even touch them. Honestly, I think if um, if the gardener came at us right now or the winner or either or for whatever reason and all we had was light, that's not enough. Not even close. They would wipe us. So, you know, it's just really interesting to see how we'll be able to take their own laws of nature and use it against them for our survival. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested to, to see how this works out. You know, speaking of the, the bond with the, the, what I was thinking about as you were also talking about that, I was like, there's also a, a it's not a, you know, it, it's not a official bonding mechanic, but if I remember correctly from the, uh, the, uh, the Black Garden raid that was released at the beginning of Shadowkeep, there is an entire mechanic around um, channeling energy into specific places. Like you have to have a team of guardians line up in a very specific way in order to chain, I, I think it was electricity. It could not have been, but uh, you know, chain that together. Uh, and I was like, well, this is another example of like a bonding moment where, you know, yeah, exactly. guardians are having to work together for a single cause. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I, I, I'm very curious uh, how this is going to end. Obviously, um, we, we've gotten hints about uh, guardians and, and beings that are able to wield both the light and the darkness and, and how powerful they are um, or were, you know, especially if we're, we're talking about uh the you know the drifter and you know dredgen your and, and all the other dredgens um so i'm just interested it's obviously this is going to be a story that plays out over at least the next two years if not the next five years all we know right now is that eventually lightfall as it's as this section of the campaign will end in, in a couple of years and then we're going to move on but the destiny universe is still going to exist so we're going to tell a different story is it going to be light and darkness? We, we honestly, all we don't know uh, how long we're going to be playing out this story or how long it's going to take for us to face off against the darkness. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. let's not forget the darkness came and not even tempted us. You know, like when we first met the darkness face to face at the end of the Shadow Keep campaign, I think the last thing that the darkness says to us is, I am your salvation. You know, uh, and obviously, as we spoke about a lot today, the darkness is kind of arrogant, kind of self-cocky about itself. Uh, but how funny if that were true, you know, by introducing us to the darkness and us like taking on some of uh, the darkness's powers that we can become strong enough to uh, hold our own against both the winnower and the gardener. Uh, you know, that'd be a fun irony, like five years from now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah. in the meantime, between now and then, for sure, I mean, I would even say within the next year or two, we are going to have more conversations with the winner. Hopefully they introduce the gardener at this point in the story. If y'all want to know exactly where we are, <laughs> um, the winner is, is out there somewhere in our solar system right now in one of those little mm -hmm. darkness pockets. And um, last we heard. Callus was successful in his attempts to commune with the darkness. This was yes. what we spoke about earlier in the episodes where we talked about the Glycon ship that was introduced in this season of the season of the chosen. The entire purpose of that. Well, there were two purposes. There was one to show you that if you chose to be Callus's shadow a couple seasons ago, you made the wrong mm -hmm. choice. And the other one is to show that Callus was successful in communing with the darkness. He may have even been granted new powers, um, we don't know. You know, he might even be dead. It's possible. They're introducing <laughs> so many options. We really don't know what's going on. All we know is the winnower is out there. The winnower is communing with the creatures who are able to do its will here in our solar system. And at the rate we're going, uh, you know, I, I would like, I, I think we will see more um, direct influences of the darkness, you know, within the next I think season, so. For sure. I think so, uh, especially because, we, you know, as we wield the darkness, I'm also curious, uh, when does when does the darkness get a uh, race of beings that are not taken? When does darkness become uh, a weapon type, you know, a weapon archetype and not just, a, you know, a thing that we can equip? Uh, right. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, I can't wait, dude. I honestly like. We're, we're also getting to that point in the season where you get to look forward to the next season and what that means, and you know, as we revisit the Vault of Glass, um, I wonder how our interpretation will uh, be affected now that we know what we know about the darkness, what we know about the Vex, and uh, I, I'm curious as to what new information we gleam as we go and, and venture down there. Me too. Yeah. Me too. They wouldn't have us go down there for nothing. And yeah. as we've seen before, it's not too difficult to change small instances in time through Vex time travel. We have experience doing it ourselves. So look at if, Saint. Exactly. Exactly. So maybe we'll be able to change an instance in our past that might give us an advantage to the present, or maybe we'll try to do something, but it'll cause, um, you know, more repercussions than we can handle. Uh, one pattern we've seen repeated several times is we're not exactly good at stepping into positions of power when we should. We just kind of just kill people and say, oh, it'll, it'll be fine. It'll be, fi- it'll mm-hmm. be fine. Um, and it's usually not. So Yeah. There's still repercussions for, to be felt for us killing a warm god. We still mm-hmm. don't know what that will be. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, half-cocked and head-sure, that's what we are. <laughs> <laughs> but I need that new loot, though. <laughs> I mean, you know. Excuse me. What uh, am I can supposed I borrow to use your the head? same gun that I always use? I mean, uh, yeah. nah, man. I need a new one. I need your head to make the thousand voices. Like, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to shoot a laser beam out of your mouth. I hope that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, man. But yeah. Um, so, as we mentioned before, we are coming towards the end of the season. Um, have been some interesting things coming out in the TWAB, some quick changes they're mentioned making mm-hmm. to the game. Um, one that doesn't necessarily affect your gameplay, but it is one major change that is being discussed among the community is the new transmog system. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to go super deep into that because <laughs> that could be an episode on itself. Essentially what they're yeah. doing is you now will be able to take any armor, like say there's, Uh, an armor set from three years ago that you would like to still wear in the crucible because it's not good anywhere else. You can take that armor set and the way it looks and apply it to the armor that you wear now. So you still have your maximum power armor with all the specs and perks and mods that you built for it, but it looks like the one that you prefer. That sounds great. Other games have been doing it for years. It's not a problem. Um, What some people are having difficulty with is the system that it takes you to actually change your armor. It's it's a really long list of steps involved. And I personally can only hope that these items are just kind of gifted to you automatically as you're just going through killing, killing enemies anyway. But if mm-hmm. there are specific bounties that you have to grind over and over and over in order to get the multiple items that you have to fuse into another item, to another item, to another item, I don't really know if I'm gonna chase an entire armor set, honestly. Mm-hmm. This well, game said, requires enough time already. Oh, yeah, that's true. They did say, uh, I think that they're they're slowly rolling it out. So uh, especially at the very beginning, it is going to be for those year one Destiny 2 year one armors. Um, they did say that we will be able to to earn this this material just by killing enemies, just by engaging in activities. Um, but they didn't really clarify the drop rate. And I think that's what's going to be important. Mm-hmm. Um, the transmog system, I think... I think overall the transmog system isn't terrible. Um, it's going to come down to the drop rate, which, you know, I saw the community get upset. Uh, and I understand one aspect of that, which is that they are capping uh, the amount of uh, the number of pieces of armor that you can unlock in a single season. I think it's like 20 pieces of armor you can turn into essentially what is a universal ornament. The same things that you unlock now. So you can just change the way that your armor looks without changing the stats. And on the surface, transmog is also very big because now players like me, completionist players who feel like they need to have everything in the game if they can get it. Those players are now able to save so much vault space by getting rid of old armors that are like sub 60 stat rolls. Mm -hmm. Just in the only reason why you're keeping them is just because you have them. Um, So... I think that's a very interesting like 
part of the game that we're going to see play out. The community's reaction about it being capped is 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 understandable, you know, um, because we've already spent so much time playing this game. We've already earned those armors. I'm just trying to make it so that they're relevant today. Why are you stopping me? And I think if they remove that cap, I think it, I think the transmog system would be pretty good. The other question again is is the drop rates of the materials. Um, and, and how that works. If like Destiny is already a bounty grind. Um, and so if it feels like more of a bounty grind, then I can see a lot of people like not investing a lot of time in it. But at the same time, like if it's, I, I can also see people who just want to grind it out. Just, I think the biggest thing is removing the caps. That's my, that's my take on it. Um, I don't like this new shader system, but, eh. but that's just because the shaders work, you know, like in a very similar way. And, you know, while I dislike the way that shaders are currently applied, I do think that the shader system that was introduced in Destiny 2 is much better. The fact that I have shaders that I can put on my ship, on my sparrow, on all of my guns, on all of my pieces of armor, and they can all be different is great. It allows me to express my individuality as a player, and that's what makes the fashion shows every week so exciting, you know, is just seeing who comes up with what combinations of what. Um, if you if you make this super complicated with shaders, like it's, it's not going to be as fun anymore. People are just going to go back to doing what they did before in Destiny 1, where you have one set of shaders and you just apply that. And that's your universal like this is my shader that I use. So mm -hmm. uh, it's obviously, though, it is a new system that they're putting into a, a live game. So. Um, hopefully my, my biggest hope, honestly, is just like they continue to do what they did with stasis while stasis nerfs were slow to roll out. They were faster than they had been. <laughs> True. And so if, if Bungie continues to take this, this standpoint of we are going to actively be watching and making changes to the game, but we're going to be moving a little bit slower to make sure we have the full picture. Um, hopefully by the middle of the season, next season, like our transmog system will be in the place where everybody is happy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a lot of people upset about that. If you go on Reddit, uh, it's, it's a whole lot of, of upset people. But uh, when is Reddit ever not upset? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so that's very true. That's very true. Um, I think you're absolutely. I think you're onto something there. That if they continue to monitor the system, especially new ones that they're introducing, then like like you said around mid-season things should be okay and even if not my semi-prediction will be the first two weeks two weeks to two to four weeks let's say will is when the heavy complaints are going to be coming in and when everybody's yeah. going to be hating on it but i think just like other systems when they're first introduced sure they're difficult to adjust to but as time goes on and we start to get these drops and requirements you know without even really trying by just playing the game then after a while you're going to have more than more than you know what to do with you know when yeah. when we started using um enhancement cores to level up our guns that was kind of weird and i was running out yeah like every single time i got a new gun i was out of enhancement cores but over <laughs> time as the seasons go and you're playing over time now you know it's not uncommon to have 300 plus you know to have 9,000 plus legendary shards and all these <laughs> these materials that have, are difficult to come by Sure, when you need like 10 or 30, but over time they stack up and it's not that really yeah. big of a deal. So, yeah. you know, as we're able to unlock more armors over time and if someone really wanted to, they could transmog all of their armor over the course of, you know, say a year, maybe um, it'll be all right. Yeah, the game's going to continue to change. New, fresh lore is always going to come down. The gameplay will always keep you immersed. So don't worry about the small changes. It'll, it'll be all right. Yeah, I think so. That's my thoughts anyways. <laughs> That's that. You know, nothing else. Guardian Games wrapping up. We'll see who the eventual winner is. Uh, can't yeah. wait for it to be done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. So I think this yeah, is man. a perfect place to go ahead and begin wrapping up this episode 11. I want to say thank you again to all the viewers and listeners who have been coming by, especially if you... If you bared with us for this past two week break, uh, I really mm -hmm. appreciate that. Uh, you know, understanding 
and coming back for some more. Um, what you can expect in the next couple episodes, we're going to continue to discuss lore. We're going to discuss the new season, which will be coming to Destiny. Um, some new things coming from us. You will start to see more um, updates, more regular updates on the state of the game, on mm-hmm. particular opinions. We will be uh, doing group discussions on the uh, Discord if you would like to come and actually commune, speak with us, give us your <laughs> thoughts on the mm-hmm. lore. Um, the link to the Discord will be in the YouTube. You can also catch both of us streaming on Twitch. I will go ahead and let Mr. Tweezy give us his, his information first. Where do people find well, you, right. sir? You guys can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Tweezy. That's X-T-W-E-E-Z-I-I-X. They were cool. And they're part of the brand now. Uh, That's right. The the branding, the new branding is officially done. Um, So you guys, uh, starting on the next stream, you guys should be able to actually see uh, some of the stuff that I've been working on. uh, Why I've taken such a small break uh, to kind of finish all that stuff. But yeah, uh, I stream late nights on saturday like i i'm on pacific coast so it's it's typically like midnight east coast is is typically when i'm live but i'm typically playing destiny like just hanging out at the tower knocking out bounties that that i need to do uh by all means come in we'll talk about lore uh or can attest to it man like Mm -hmm. we will i will sit in the tower and we can just sit in the tower and we'll just talk um and we'll talk about like the state of the game and, and where it's at right now. Uh, past that, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Taylor at Taylor Zeller. Uh, all of our links also will be in the show notes of the episode, uh, depending on what podcast service you're listening on. So by all means, like you guys will be able to find us no problem. But yeah, that's that's uh, about where you can find me at. Bird, what about you? Indeed, uh, I can be found at twitch.tv slash Birda, B-I-R-D triple U-P. I stream on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, I, I do change times, honestly. Sometimes you'll find me in the morning around 11. Sometimes you'll find me late night at 9. Turn on those notifications. That's really the best way to find out. Also, you can join our Becoming Legend Discord where there are notifications when either of us go live. There's multiple mm-hmm. ways. You know, if you want to find us, you can find us. We're really not that hard to catch, I promise. Um, I swear. I'm always down a for really Destiny easy. conversation, even if it has <laughs> nothing to do with Destiny at all. You can say, hey, bird, the weather's lovely today. That's great. But what is the time? Ta- what if the traveler leaves and the <laughs> darkness? Co- yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, getting away with a little bit of a tangent there. Uh, I love man. you all. Thanks for coming by. Uh, yeah. when we have more updates we'll let you know hope to see y'all soon give us your comments about the episode by the way let us yeah. know uh, what did you think about the show what did you think about our topics are the things you would like us to discuss are there questions you have about destiny that maybe nobody's talking about is there something you love about destiny that no one's talking about let us know please yeah. please, please. leave a review and, and whatever podcast service that you listen to man like we, we try to read them all so uh thank you again thank you for listening thank you for sticking with us especially since we've been gone and uh we'll see you guys in the next one see y'all next time episode 12 coming soon bye